Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being, reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Server Member Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Das, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Krishna Das Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishna Das shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishna Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. My guru used to say to us, and to everyone who would listen, Ram Nam Karne Se Sabpura Hojata. Samajya? No. From repetition of these names of God, as they call them in India, everything is brought to fullness and completion. All our karmas are ripened. Uh, we are brought into fullness, into completion, into our, our karmas are completed. 
So, everything we see, everything we think, everything we feel, everything we experience is essentially our own subjective uh, interpretation of something. And the subjectivity is what causes suffering. Subjectivity comes from subject. And for us, the subject is me. We're writing, we wake up in the morning, we write, produce, and act in the movie of me. All day long, all night long, all life long. Me, 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 me. Just me. How am I now? Is my hair okay? Is this dress right? What about these shoes? You think they'll like me? What about that coat? Should I go there? Should I do this? What if I do that? Then that'll happen, and this will happen, but I should do this. Yeah, maybe I'll just stay home. It's all about me. Me. And we never get tired of it. All lifelong. Me, me, me. Everything revolves around me. Everything's held up against me and how I look to myself through their eyes who don't exist. You don't exist. You're just subjects, subject, subjective versions of who you might think you are in my life, in my movie. I don't know you, but I see the way you sit. I see the way your hair is. I see your vibe. and everything. So I have a version of you in my movie. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has to do with how, who, who I perceive you as based on my bullshit, essentially, my programming. And so how do we ever get through our programming since we don't even think we're programmed, which is part of the program? <laughs> Suffering, unhappiness, dissatisfaction, getting what we don't want and not getting what we do want. That's what wakes us up, that, that feeling of not enough The feeling of not having enough and not being really able to get what we want, not being able to squeeze enough happiness or pleasure out of what's in our lives before it turns to something else. So, what did Maharaji say? Ram Nam Karne Se Sabpudo Jada. From the repetition of these names. In India, they call them the names of God. Actually, they don't call them the names of God. Well, they do. But in Hindi, everything is slightly sweeter, you know. Bhagavan, which means essentially Lord, means the one who has bhagya, which is blessedness. Ishwara means the Lord, Lord and, and Prabhu means Lord. But Prabhu is the way you would whisper into your lover's ear. It's all so sweet. In the West, it's so hard, you know, God... God's going to fuck with you if you're not good. That's how we grow up. We grow up with that programming for the most part. It's very hard to get over that because we're not aware of the so many levels of 
of how that plugs into our self-hatred and our self-loathing and our self, our self stuff. So, Ram Nam Karni Se Sapurnodhyata, keep singing these names, everything will be all right. Maharaj used to say everything will be all right. Tikho means everything will be okay. Somebody be coming and they're sick, maybe dying. He says, Tikho Jaiga. No, they go home and die. That was Tikho Jaiga? That was okay? And then somebody comes and says, Bhagavad Gita, he said, Tikho Jaiga, and they get better. So, Maharaj says, so one time Mr. Tawari, one of his old devotees, said, what is it with you? You say everything will be all right and the person dies, and then you say everything will be all right and the person lives? What is it? And he said, oh, you're trying to get me to admit that I know what's going to happen? <laughs> and of course he did. He did. One time a, a young man arrived up in the mountains at the temple in the mountains, and he'd come all the way from the, a town on the plains, maybe Lucknow, by bus and by train, and he came to Bhava and he said, Maharaji, my grandfather, who's your old great devotee for so many years, he's very ill, he's dying, he's suffering a lot. So Maharaji took a banana and said, here, take this banana, feed it to him, sub jaga, everything will be okay. So the guy carries this banana all the way back on the bus, on the train, he gets home, mashes it up a little bit, puts a spoon, puts it to his grandfather's mouth, takes it in his mouth and he dies. That was jaga. Maharaji wasn't, definite, wasn't uh, attached to remaining in the body if he didn't have to. Man was finished with his work, but he was holding on for some reason to something, and he was having a hard time letting go. So, boom, tukho jaga. One time Maharaj was on the roof of his temple, and all of a sudden he goes, Oh, this ma, this lady in this town, she just died, and he's dancing in ecstasy. And once again... Mr. Tiwari, who was my dearest friend and Mr. Tiwari, my guru, my, my teacher, he said, he says to Baba, what kind of a, you're a monster. This woman served you for 40 years and she died and you're dancing in ecstasy? You monster. This is how he talked to his guru. <laughs> Maharaji looks at me and says, what? You want me to act like one of the puppets, like you? Ooh. Can you, you know, the thing is, most of us don't really believe. We don't really believe that there can be beings who actually know what's going on. We don't believe that because we haven't experienced it. And even if we think we've experienced it, we doubt it. And in fact, if we really believed that anything was really possible on this path, we'd already be there. We do yoga, we meditate, we do all this kind of stuff, but we don't think it's going to work. And so it doesn't. (laughs) If we really believed that this stuff worked, that there was a doorway out of this limited existence, we'd already be through the door. But we don't believe me too. Believe me, I include myself in that. And I was with one of these beings who actually was the whole universe. I still don't believe it. I'm working on it. It's only been 50 years. Give me another 50, I might get there. 
Ram Nam Karni Se Sapurda Hojata. From the repetition of these names, everything is made full and complete. Our hearts are ripened completely. I think, I really think of the path as a ripening process. First of all, I'm totally incapable of learning anything. So ripening sounds really good. Ripening depends on, you know, the sun ripening me. I don't have to do anything. I just sit here and get ripe. But actually, I have to take myself out of the shadows and put myself in the sun to really be ripened. And that's our work. Our work is to turn ourselves towards that light, towards the sunlight, towards the love. We may not feel it. We may not really believe it exists. But if we don't move towards it in whatever way we feel we can, then nothing's going to happen. That's why they call it practice. You don't do it, you don't do it. You do it, something will happen. Even if it's the big nothing, that's something. Something will happen. We're planting seeds. So the seeds that we plant by the repetition of the names and the singing of the names are a very particular kind of seed. Um, these mantras are very powerful. They're mantras. The name, repetition of the name, the name itself, the names of God are, are mantras. Now there's mantras for everything. There's mantras to rob banks. There's mantras to find buried treasure. There's mantras to be famous. There's mantras to become president of the United States. So, but the name is only good for one thing. The love, uncovering the love that lives within us as who we really are already. It's not something we get. It's not something anybody can give us. These names are the names of that love that lives within us as who and what we already are. So through the repetition of these names, we move more deeply into our own being. What's that's going to be like when we actually recognize ourselves, so to speak? No one can tell us. Which is why, you know, we said to Maharaji, how do we, you know, Baba, how do we find God? We thought he might tell us, since he seemed to like us. At least he let us hang around. I don't know if he liked us, but he loved us. Baba, how do we find God? Serve people. What? Serve people? Uh, what is he talking about? Okay, how do you raise Kundalini? Feed people. What is he talking about? Love everyone, serve everyone, remember God. That's what he used to say. I wanted him to tell me some secret mantra that I could do, you know, go up to the mountains and stand on one foot for a thousand years and repeat this mantra and everything would be great. But actually all that would happen is my ego would get bigger and bigger and bigger and more strong. It's very subtle. It's very subtle. Spiritual practice is not about me. It destroys me and leaves what's beneath, what lives within us as who we are, really are.
So there was a great saint in the 1800s, Sri Ramakrishna, you might have heard of him, a beautiful saint. And he talked about how the repetition of the name works. He said, every single repetition of the name is a seed that gets planted in our life stream. Every single repetition, whether you sing it in anger, in shame, in guilt, in fear, in happiness, in sadness, every repetition is a seed that gets planted. And these seeds will definitely grow as soon as the right causes and conditions arise for them to grow. So if we plant a seed with anger, it's kind of like a farmer just throwing the seed out into the the field and hoping the crows don't get it and hoping it rains, right? It's not really well taken care of. It's not well planted. But if we, if we repeat these names with a kind of sincerity and um, a little bit of attention, then he says, so these seeds, he says, the seed gets caught by the wind. And it gets blown around and it lands on the roof of an old house in the jungle. And this roof, the roof of this house had clay tiles on it, okay? And in those days, the clay was baked in the sun, not in a kiln. And so over time and seasons, it would soften up a little bit. Rain and snow and sun. So Ramakrishna said, the seed of the repetition of the name is caught by the wind and gets caught on the roof of an old house between the tiles. And then, when the right causes and conditions arise, the seeds begin to take root. They start to grow. And the roots of the seed, of the repetition of the name, start to grow. And eventually, they destroy the roof of the house. And they keep growing, and they destroy the walls of the house. Ramakrishna said, that house is who we think we are. Who we seem to be to ourselves as we go through our lives. Me. This is me. I'm me. There's a lot of me's in this room. But there's only one I. There's only one consciousness looking out through every set of eyes here. But we don't see that. We see the me. And we live in the me. So that me, that sense of separate self, is what's destroyed. It's a temporary thing. In fact, it came along with this body this time. Now the sense of separateness can be destroyed and the body will still be here. And the consciousness, awareness, being is still here. You're still here. But... The walls and the roof of that house no longer exist to wall us off from the rest of the universe and from other people. So if all our walls go down, then what is there? There's only presence, being, love, everywhere, and no edge, no end to it. You notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say you he doesn't say you will feel this or that because it isn't about what you feel. People ask me all the time, what do you feel when you sing? I say, how do I know? 
I'm not, all I'm doing is singing. If, if some thought arises, if, haha, when some thought arises or some feeling, I simply let it go and come back to the chanting. I don't write it down, okay, I had a thought about this. I stop and I write it down, then I get back to the chanting. I just let it go. And I come back to the name, to the chanting. Now, the thing about the name, you can, in, you know, in, in a spiritual practice, you can come back to anything. You can come back to your breath or to uh, pure awareness or something like that. But with this practice of the name, these names carry some juice, they say. In fact, the other thing Ramakrishna said is that these names are like seeds, and in a tiny seed, a whole tree can exist. So in these names, pure being exists, and they move us towards that place within us where that pure being sits and is within us as our true nature. So when I share this practice with people, I say, okay, you sing. And when you notice you're not singing, you're not paying attention, you just sing. That's it. It ain't complicated. But it ain't easy. Because if you're really paying attention, you will notice how incapable we are of paying attention. How many times we're gone before, like, Shri is finished. Shri. Ram. Ten minutes later, oh, I missed about 400 Sri Rams. What happened? Where was I? Where am I now? I'm thinking. Let me let go and come back. Okay, Sri. Oh, it's not easy. But until you start to practice, you don't notice that. We don't notice that. And we go through our days like that, not noticing. Not noticing, living in dreamland. Most people are born, they graduate high school, they drink some beer, and then they die. And that's it. They were never here for a minute. And that's unfortunate. So if we're paying any attention to any of this, we're already a little bit here. Here enough to know that there might be a way to get more here. To, to find a way to, get, to navigate ourselves, our lives through our lives and actually get what we need and what we want. This is not a renunciate path. My lineage that comes through Maharaji and Hanuman and Ram, it's not a renunciate path. It's about living a good life, becoming a good human being, and having happiness in life and happiness, real happiness within. And that's scary. No shrink I ever went to told me I could really be happy. Believe me. Because they weren't happy. But in India, it's a weird thing. They have nothing. Nothing works, but they're happy. The roads are bad. The electricity goes out. But they're happy. Here, everything works, and we're screwed up. Well, they're not happy, for sure. There's a lot of suffering in India. But when I first went to India, it was very different. <sighs> a long time ago. How many years ago? No. 48 years ago. 
There were no cell phones. They used telegrams. And the, the phones in the houses never worked, so. And if you wanted to call America from India, you had to find a phone. Then you called the local operator who called the county operator, who called the state operator, who called the federal operator, who called the overseas operator, who called the international operator, who called the operator in your country. And a week later, it would come back the other way. <laughs> now, I'm up in the Himalayas, you know, at 10,000 feet. I pick up the phone. Hey, how you doing? Crazy. What really changed India was MTV. Really. Asian MTV, you know, there's different versions of MTV in different places in the world. And now you got gangbangers walking around, Indian gangbangers walking around Delhi. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. And television and movies from, from the West really destroyed ancient culture. Because before that, before, most of the villages, there's still villages up in the mountains that are getting electricity for the first time, still. But back in 48 years ago when I went, most of the villages didn't have much electricity. Maybe they had one light bulb in the village. And what they did for fun, they got together and they chanted. They sang songs. The whole village, everybody. Now, everybody's in their room with their internet connection. And the kids are all watching porn. Unbelievable. Really, uh, most of the traditional culture is gone. There's still little pockets of it left. So... Ram Nam Karnese, they're not doing Ram Nam. They're not doing Ram Nam. But we are. Because they saw what was possible to have. They saw fancy stuff in the movies. I want that. And that was it. Now they're lost in those desire realms. Whereas we have as much of anything we want and we know it don't work. Good enough. Well enough. And that's why we're looking for something deeper. And what's deeper is Ram Nam. These names come from a place inside of us, our true nature, and they pull us into that place. It's our thoughts and our emotions and all the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves that screw us up. We actually believe everything we think. Really? Think about it. See? Even that. We believe everything we think. That's the definition of insanity. So when you do these practices, you just learn to let, you, you, pay, you notice the thought, you let go of it. And you come back to the name. You let go of it. You let go of this. The pain in the knee, you let go of it. This, oh, I left something on the stove. You let go of it. You come back. You keep coming back. Now, just want to point out one thing. Okay, so we're chanting, right? Sri Ram, Jai Ram, Jai Ram, whatever chanting. And you're thinking. And then you notice that you're not paying attention, right? How did that happen? How did that happen? How did you notice that you weren't paying attention? You weren't paying attention. You were remembering the television show you watched last night, trying to figure out why it ended the way it did, 
And that guy, he did that, but I don't think he didn't get caught. I don't know what happened to this guy. Oh, how did that moment happen? When you woke up for a second. That is the... Now, we know that nothing happens without a cause, right? Here's a sound. That sound did not happen unless the hand hit the wood. That was the cause of the sound. No hitting the wood, no sound. No waking up, no practice. Waking up, practice. The only thing that wakes us up is the practice that we've done either in this life or another life. Otherwise, we don't wake up. Otherwise, we would not be looking for a deeper thing in life, a different, deeper meaning or a deeper happiness or a deeper kindness or a deeper peace or a deeper love. Whatever we tell ourselves it is that we're looking for, we would not be looking for it if we hadn't already planted those seeds at some time, somewhere. It's just not possible. So now what we want to do is plant more seeds. And we're in a position to do that. We've got a very good birth. We're born in a country, for us at this moment, most everything is possible. There are people in this country, of course, that you can't say that. But for us, most of us, we know where our next meal is coming from. We pretty much know where we're sleeping. We pretty much know that we have some money coming in. We can get some clothes and maybe buy some food. Not a bad birth compared to most of the people on this planet. So let's use, let's take advantage of this situation and plant more seeds of the things we want. Okay. So I was sitting in the jungle with a, a, a Baba, a yogi who was 163 years old. He's older now. It was 20 years ago or more, 80s. And one day he looked at me, said, Jesus? One day this Baba looked at me and he goes, He's like seeing me, right? And he goes, uh-uh. You have to develop willpower. That's what he said to me. And my first thought was like, willpower? What do I need that for? So then he really looked at me. And what he did, he showed me, he, he showed me inside of me what he was seeing in me. And I went, oh, because I hadn't seen this. He showed me in myself, that I was just like floating through life. I wasn't going after the things that I myself said I wanted. I wasn't going after the things I wanted. I had changed around my, my uh, ankles, my feet, that I myself was put there. And I wasn't allowing myself to go after the things I wanted. I felt there was a program running that I didn't deserve to be happy. I didn't deserve to have the things that I felt I wanted. And I didn't see it until he showed it to me. 
And then I saw, whoa, yeah, okay. There isn't like worldly life and spiritual life. If I, willpower, I, you want something in your mouth, the arm goes up, it grabs the food, it puts it in the mouth. That's willpower fulfilling a desire. I wasn't willing to raise my hand to do that. I wasn't going, I, whatever it was, fear of being judged or fear of failure or just whatever, I have no idea, but I wasn't doing it. And when I saw that clearly, it was a really big thing for me. I had some funny times. One time this Baba looked at me. This was back in the 80s, right? I wasn't singing. I wasn't doing anything. He looked down at me and he goes, huh, you're going to be famous. So I looked up at him and I went, and rich. <laughs> and he laughed, you know, and he came up to me nose to nose, eye to eye, and he goes, famous. <laughs> I took my shot. He was great. So how do we get on to that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Really? Well, let's take some questions and stuff. I've talked long enough. Anybody have anything to say? We have a microphone because I'm deaf. I have to hear you and everybody can hear you well. If you have a question or something to say, please raise your hand. The music and chanting is beautiful. Chanting is in every culture of some kind. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about harmony, harmonizing, or and the use of different instruments. Okay, you're curious. What would you like to know? What are you asking? <laughs> is harmonizing appropriate for chanting in this way? You know, as long as you're paying attention and the person who's theoretically in charge or leading the chanting doesn't mind, it's fine. You know, it's not about music. It's the music helps us pay attention. What we're, the names that we're repeating, the mantras we're repeating, that's the medicine that's going to cure our disease of suffering. The music makes it easy to take the medicine. But without the medicine, it's only music. And if you know musicians, you'll know it ain't enough. M musicians have a particular problem. You know, they're so good at music that whenever a problem arises in life, they just go back to that world. And the very, most musicians don't have good relationships because, or even happy lives because they don't deal with stuff. They go back to music land. I know. So the name is different. The music is the syrup that the name is hidden in. And it helps us take the medicine if it's, if it's sweet. But once again, if you singing harmony helps you pay attention and helps you get into it, that's good. But it's not about how pretty it sounds. It's not even if you don't even need to be able to carry a tune. It's not about that at all. You know, up in the mountains... <clears throat> There's a there's a, a holiday in India called Holi, H-O-L-I, which is the celebration of Krishna's play with the gopis. And it's very blissful. And they sing all these beautiful songs about the love play between Krishna and the gopis and Radha and everything. So 
I was at one of these sittings, they call it, sitting, a holy, where, everybody, where they invited the, the best singers from in the area. So it starts off with the younger guys, right? And they're full of energy and really great. Oh, and I was going, wow, this is so beautiful. And then gets a little later and the middle-aged guys, you know, and their voices aren't quite as sweet, you know, and but they're very deep into it. And I think, wow, that's great. Come around two in the morning, the old guys start to sing. And they could barely sing, you know. And you just can't stand it. It's too beautiful. It's just too beautiful. Because they don't care anymore. They can't even sing pretty anymore. But they've been singing these songs their whole lives. And it's just become so deep. It's amazing. Just amazing. So, yeah, it's not about music, but music is good. It's just not enough. You know, there's a difference between something, you know, it's good, but it's just not enough. That doesn't make it bad. If you don't expect it, if you don't expect to be able to squeeze water from a stone, you're not going to get your hands bruised. But if you're trying to squeeze water from a stone, it ain't going to work. If you're trying to squeeze love, real love, love that doesn't come and go, love that you don't get from somewhere else or somebody else, love that's breathing you in every moment of every day, if you don't expect to get that from music, you won't be disappointed. But if the music helps you get into the feeling and the ever-deepening feeling of the name, of the repetition of the name, then that's good. That'll help. Along the same lines, um, what about in the words? I mean, what? What about the words or the mantras? Yeah, you know, uh -huh. um, I understand maybe one or two of. That's more than me. Really? really? <laughs> so anyway, so really? what about that? I mean, just yeah. singing something that you don't know what you're singing, but right. it's the music that gets you, you know, in well, the place that you want to go to. I know I'm singing a mantra. I know I'm singing something that's supposed to be, uh, to come from a deeper place within me. And I know that all I have to do is pay attention to that sound and let go of my thoughts. And I know that the sounds themselves kind of my experience, the sounds themselves, the names themselves get um, deeper as time goes on. And my experience of them has changed as time goes on. And it's much more, I'm much more present with it. I, my mind flitters around a little less. And that feels brings up a feeling in me, a certain kind of feeling that uh, is very real and uh, seems to be natural, naturally deeper than other things, even the music and the sounds. And it seems to be something that's hidden inside the name, so to speak. So would you say the words are just like the music? It's not about the words. It's no. not about the music. It's, it's about, about the, the meaning. Feeling. The meaning of the names is not essential. 
but the name is essential. The sound of the name is essential. Yes. If you sing Frank, 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 you know, what's going to happen? You become a Frankfurter. (laughs) So, but if you sing Ram, Ram, Ram with the same devotion and sincerity, something else will happen that only you can experience yourself. And what happens is not a conceptual situation. It has nothing to do with, with Ram, that guy who was the prince and then a king, or Ram, the absolute, the concept of this God or that God. It has nothing to do with the meaning or the storylines around the name. It has to do with your true nature inside of you, which these names move us towards. And only you can experience that. And ultimately, it can't be described in words other than that, oh, this exists and this is how it works. And if you take this medicine, this is what will happen. That's what they say. So it's not about the meaning of the names. Because all the names have storylines. Just like Jesus, there's storylines about Jesus and those songs. He met the woman at the well and he told her everything and he saved her. All these names come from the, the, the legends of India, which they say actually happened. They say there really was a Krishna, there really was a Ram in the body. Really, these things actually happened. These are the stories of whether that's true or not. It almost doesn't matter because the name is not like Kabir, the great poet. My Ram is not that prince. You know, he, that's not... Screw that, you know, that's not, my Ram is, is everywhere at all, present everywhere all the time. So it's a different, it's a different thing, but it's not about the meaning of the names. Although just like with Christian stuff, you know, you can, you can, you, those gospel songs can really get you juiced up. That juiciness can help you concentrate, but it's not required. You don't have to know anything about India to do these practices. But by doing these practices, you will find out who you are, period. And any concepts you have about the practice will eventually dissolve as you do the practice. You sing, and then you're thinking about it. You let go of the thought and you sing. And it's creating deeper neural pathways in the brain. They prove that. And makes it easier to keep coming back. We're gone all day long, all life long. We're locked in our thoughts and our emotions, our stories, and our reactions to what's going on in the outside world. We're hardly ever present. We've got to find a way to get here. And this is one of those ways. And by here, we mean to sit in our true nature, who we really are. More? Oh, thanks. I like what you said, that it doesn't matter if it was true or not. I mean, it it speaks a lot about our beliefs. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. It doesn't matter if we're here. We don't even know if we're here. We think we are, but we don't experience direct here-ness either. What the belief do you know? I know. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, in the absence of having a guru, how do you pick a particular There is mantra? no absence of having a guru. But, but I mean, if you don't have a physical guru with you, how physical do you... Physical is one thing, but that's not guru anyway. <laughs> so how do you pick a mantra? 
What do you like? Excuse me? What do you like? I like the Krishna and Tara and stuff like that. Sounds, Pameon. sounds good to me. Okay. So basically follow your heart. Oh, big time. Okay. If you don't do what you like, you won't do it. What good is it then? And why would you do what you don't like? I hear you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, some people like doing what they don't like, but that's what they like. I got over that one. Partially. Hello. Hi. I saw you in Northampton the other night. Thank you very much. That was beautiful. Thank you. You made a big difference on my son. Great. Thank you. Uh, it's actually a miracle. He's been through a lot. <clears throat> mm. So have I. But I met him, right? You guys came up at the end, right? Yeah. 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 Nice, nice Sweet little boy. young pepper-faced Irish-looking kid. <laughs> Bigger than me, though. No. Yeah, watch out. And the selfie came out well, by the way, after a lot of editing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you edited me right out of it, I'm sure. Yeah, no, no, no. You came out good. <laughs> it was me. That was... Good, good. But what you said was very interesting. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I hear you. Um, and I've always thought that to my children, because I grew up in a very dysfunctional household, uh, uh, very alcoholic household, um, you know, anything to alter the mind, to get it away from what we really are. And it was violent at times. Yeah. So I never wanted my house to be that way. So I always taught my children um, words. Be careful. You're magical beings. Mm. You will get anything you think about. The key word being anything. Mm. Think about it hard enough, you get it. And I always equated that to mantras, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I am an alcoholic, and I'm an alcoholic. I always search for something to get me away from this world, never feeling comfortable in my skin. That's a big thing. And you'll hear that at any alcoholic meeting you go to from uh, AA. And it's interesting. You hear the same stories over and over again. Yeah. But... As I tried to shape and mold my house to be different, I remember my son, I used to take him to church, you know, mm. we're, we're Catholic. And, mm -hmm. um, I always wanted him to have some spiritual base, not that I was a devout Catholic at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. I do remember the Latin Mass, and I remember as a child that making more sense because mm -hmm. I couldn't understand it. It was the rhythm and the back and forth. Yeah, it yeah. made sense to me. Definitely. But, and he used to love it. Mm -hmm. And I used to I always, you know, again, you know, be very close to him. His other brother was very, his older brother was closed in. Mm -hmm. But he would always look at me. He knew. He said, Dad, are you happy? Mm -hmm. He was three years old. And that he would ask me that question all the time, and I would lie. Yeah. And he knew it. Yeah, And he knew it, and he knew it until I found a box of death under his bed when he was 12. Mm. And that's when I was struck with the light. Yeah. That's when I finally you know, got to my knees, if you will. And I understood. I did. I understood at that point. You have to let go. You got to give up. So what you said was, it was very important. And I want you to know that when he went home that night, it... Since he's been doing great work, 
in, in the church of AA, because it is a church. It's, it's an apostolic faith. Mm-hmm. The only way you can heal yourself is by serving others. Mm. Otherwise, you will relapse. You will die. Mm-hmm. And he works with some pretty hardcore people now. And he has made a difference, big difference. He saved lives. He was that? He has saved lives. Uh-huh. That's great. Wonderful. 17. Beautiful. And he has people 50 years old who want him to sponsor them. Huh. <laughs> That's great. That's but great. he is my hero. He's my teacher now. Mm-hmm. So I looked to him. And I just remembered that kids get it. Yeah. They get it up to that certain point where somebody says they throw up on the floor and they go, ew. Or they do something nasty and they say, ah, it's awful. But it was human. So he came home and he said, Dad, I think because he had an aversion to religion after a lot of tension in our house. Mm -hmm. He said, I feel it now. I know what it's about. Cool. I also have an aversion to religion. So. <laughs> you all are not religion, but spirituality. He said, I've had that disconnect, and it's back. Yeah, that's great. And he got that, um, that performance. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Oh, I didn't expect that. Hi. Um, I did. <laughs> it's louder than I thought. Um, my name's Bonnie. I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I really, my question for you is, Um Namah Shivaya. Um Namah Shivaya. Mm -hmm. I love that mantra. And I actually have a nine-year-old daughter and we drive around in the car and we'll chant that (laughs) sometimes. She wanted to come and I was like, no, you can't. It said no kids. Did it say no kids? Who said that? Not appropriate for kids. We did? Well, the workshops, you know, it's yeah. a lot of talking. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Boring. That's, <laughs> but um, I was just curious as to what, because um, it's a mantra that called to both of us. I was uh-huh. just curious as to what your, what is it? And I know it's what we think it is, but I was just curious <laughs> of what your. Let's all answer our own questions then. Okay. <laughs> I'll answer mine. You answer yours. We'll sit here in silence. well i don't know you know i don't know what it is you like it that's good that's enough isn't it what is it who knows it's enough that it works that you feel it why why let's let's not get carried away with trying to figure out why but you feel it because it's see i'm about to say something It's, it's it's a name. It's the name of the place within us that is that love, is that good feeling. Okay, I'll tell you a story. So Buddha, he he had traveled all around India. He had met all the teachers. He had done all the practices, and he was sitting under this tree, and he was doing these very 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 hard austerity, austerities. He was like taking three or four breaths a day, drinking a little bit of water, maybe, hardly eating anything. They said you could see through him, basically. His bones were sticking out. And he was sitting there doing these practices, and he was in terrible despair because he was this close to having to leave the body. 
because he was treating it so poorly and being so hard on the physical body, this close. And yet he had not achieved what he knew to be possible. He had, he had realized all the teachings of the, of the different teachers that he had met, everything that was available at that time. And it wasn't enough. He had recognized that he had, he had actually realized all those teachings. He had experienced them and he knew it wasn't enough. It wasn't what he knew was possible, but he didn't know what to do. And here he is not many breaths away from dying. And he was in terrible despair about this. And as he was sitting there, a memory came to him of when he was a boy, sitting under a tree in this field, watching his father work in the distance. And it, uh, the feeling that came over him with this memory was one of, of uh, deep pleasure and okayness, a feeling of all rightness inside of him. It was a very beautiful feeling that all is right with the world, all is right. It's a and so the Buddha, the present older being, had this memory and it freaked him out because he wasn't used to any kind of happy, pleasurable feeling. And so, but being the Buddha to be, he said, well, what is this feeling? And why am I scared? So he looked into it and he saw first that this feeling of okayness, of uh, all rightness, of happiness from in, in, that just was there, that it wasn't caused by anything. It wasn't caused by the senses or the mind coming into contact with a pleasurable object right? Like ice cream. Nor was it the pleasure, the senses being broken away from, uh, or coming into contact with an unpleasant, or being freed from an unpleasant object, which is like somebody hitting you and then they stop, so you feel better. Something like that. So he saw there was no cause to the feeling. You understand? This was a big thing. Because if there was no cause for it, then it must be natural. It must exist of itself if there's no cause. And if there's no cause, then there won't be any end to it. So he said, maybe this is the way to enlightenment, through this feeling of basic okayness. Now, that's exactly what we've lost touch with in our lives. We don't, we're not in touch with that basic all rightness about ourselves. We want, we're trying to get stuff from the outside that makes us feel good and get rid of the stuff and the stories about ourselves that we tell ourselves that don't feel good. But we've lost touch with that inner okayness. And that's where these mantras come from. They were generated out of that space of wondrous okayness that is our true nature. So through the repetition of these names, everything was brought to fullness and completion. We enter deeper and deeper into that essential feeling of 
rightness of goodness that we are inside. Natural goodness, not as opposed to good and bad, but wholesomeness, goodness, purity of, of being. That's where their names come from. So that's why they work when they work, when we let them work. What they mean conceptually, it doesn't make any difference. I once asked Mr. Tiwari, I said, I said, Baba, who is greater, Vishnu or Shiva? He said, how can you compare infinites? <laughs> okay. Next. Is that okay? Yeah. And if I'm to teach this to others, would it be safe to say, <clears throat> when I say um, um. I'm, I'm kind of uh, self-medicating, uh-huh. Nama Shivaya, like... Then maybe that's why it oh, calls. Oh, I'm self medicating Namah Shivaya. That's a no, weird I'm not self medicating, but like it's a, it's a, because it, it gives you that feeling, a feeling of I'm, I'm also in recovery. It's giving you that mm-hmm. when I get into that Um Namah Shivaya, yeah. it gives me that feeling that I was receiving if mm-hmm. I was seeking an external something. Mm-hmm. You know, by saying it over and over and over again, I feel better. Good, but and, it's a sustainable. And the more you say it the deeper that feeling will be. And there's no bottom to that. Mm. So don't think that, don't limit yourself by what you're experiencing right now. Just keep doing the practice. Don't get caught in the happiness about it. That's nice, but it ain't going to last. You know, somebody will kick you in the leg and you'll get pissed off and the happiness will go right out the fucking window. (laughs) So, do the practice. Enjoy the feeling. Don't be attached to it. Just keep repeating the name. The, when you're repeating the name, you're not lost in the feeling. You can't do both. You can't do two things at once. It looks like that to us because our minds are very dull. But actually, the mind arises and dies a billion times in a minute. It's called a mind moment. And only really serious meditators actually can see that, can experience that. You can't actually think of two things at the same time. But when you go back and forth really fast, so it seems that way. When you're paying attention to Om Namah Shivaya, then you're not feeling so good. You're not feeling anything. You're just paying attention to that. So while it's good to have the relief from the unhappiness and the yearning and all the stories that we're at the mercy of, that's wonderful. But you have to keep doing the practice. Otherwise, that will start to fade. And then you'll be, you know, just where you are all the time. So remember to do the practice. Remember, it is a practice. And it is not about what you feel, although that's nice. But you can do just as much practice when you have a, uh, when you're, you know, got a really bad stomach ache or you got a pain in your knee. Some of my best practice has been when I had a pain in my knee so bad, I thought I was going to kill me. But it made me so present. It was unbelievable. And as soon as I accepted that that pain was not going to go away, everything, whoa, it was a whole different ballgame. It's always going to be deeper if you let it, if you're paying attention. But don't try to make it deeper. That's not that's not going to work either. Let Do the practice and let it change you from the inside out, which is what happens. There's always, it's always, don't, don't, don't get off here or get off here. Stay on the, on the road, you know, because if you get off there, 
a great story about this sadhu who goes to his guru and says, oh, teach me, can you teach me about maya, about illusion? And he says, oh, later, here, take, take this pot and go f- bring me some water. So the sadhu goes down to the river. Actually, this is a true story, but I'll tell you the untrue story. But So the sadhu goes down to the river, and he dips the pot into the water, and as he's pulling the pot up out of the water, he sees just, just about 20 feet away down the bank of the river, this beautiful woman bathing in the river, and he, he just goes, whoa. So he kind of like can't help himself. He walks over, and he introduces himself, and... She's shy, and they start talking, and and he winds up going off with her, you know, back to her village, and they get married, they have a family, life just keeps going on, and then there's a plague, and 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 her, his wife and children dying, and he's sitting on the ground, crying his eyes out, and he feels somebody shaking him, and he looks up, and. There's this guru smiling at him, and he's still holding the pot in his hand. So keep doing the practice. Don't get off the road. Or when you get off the road, get back on the, on the road. That's all. Enjoy the fruits of the practice, but don't cling to them. You know, Don't think, I got it now. I'll always be happy. Uh-uh, you know that doesn't work. But Om Namah Shivaya will just be there. It'll always be there whenever you're there. No matter what you're feeling. Thank you. We can't help but think it's about us. How am I doing now? How am I doing now? Wow, this was a great meditation. Wow, I'm really centered today. This is fantastic. I can't believe this meditation. How long has it been? Oh, four minutes. Wow. Let's, this is just good. <laughs> you know, it ain't about that. Just sit your ass down and shut up. You know, that's all you have to do. Not so easy. <laughs>